0: Welcome to Broad Gauge Gossips, the podcast where you can learn about the faculty of the Department of Military History in the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Department of the Army, Department of Defense, or U.S. Government. Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Abel, and we're here today with Assistant Professor Lieutenant Colonel Tom Moore. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to be here.
0: So let's go ahead and start by talking about your background, and and there's kind of two directions for this. Um, Let's start with your military background.
1: Okay. um, I enlisted in the United States Army in 1996. Um, I started out as a network switching systems maintainer and operator, which is a fancy way of saying I was a telephone operator. For the army's uh, tactical communication system, um, pretty sweet setup. Um, I think it's you know is the cutting edge of technology back in the 1990s. Um, I don't think it exists anymore, but there you have it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how I came into the army. Um, I really was just coming in for four years to kind of get myself ready to go find my real job and to pay off student loans, mm-hmm. which I'd racked up a, a mountain of. And once I got in, I kind of found that I liked it. Um, I, I, I liked the people I worked with. I enjoyed kind of the mission and, and kind of getting the job done and thought that maybe I could contribute more um, by, by going and becoming an officer. And so 1999, I applied for and was accepted to the Officer Candidate School. Uh, got yelled at for four months. They said I could be an officer after that. And um, that, that was kind of the start. And so that's, that's kind of how I got into the Army. Um, but I always kind of joke with people that the reason I joined the Army in the first place was to eventually, someday, teach history. And so this kind of gets into my, my educational background. Um, I started um, college, I went to undergrad at Alma College, which is a small liberal arts college in the middle of Michigan. Um, with the plan that I was going to law school. Um, I had planned on going in uh, as a poli-sci major, political science, Mm -hmm. Um, because it's a small liberal arts college. The political science professors were also history professors, (laughs) and so I wound up up taking courses in both as part of a pre-law program. Um, Did that, graduated, um, hooray. Uh, got into law school at Wayne State University in Detroit and absolutely hated it. Um, I, 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 it wasn't a good fit. I think I was a little too immature and thought that law school should be more like, you know, more fun, like undergrad. Uh, that didn't pan out for me. And I kind of realized during that time that I, I missed history. Um, that's really what I felt passionate about. The problem was all that mountain of student loan debt that I have accumulated Right. and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I wanted to stay in school and and, and teach history, you know, at the high school or, or college level, but I didn't have the money to kind of get myself through mm-hmm. where I could make that happen. And I remember hearing something about the Army possibly paying off student loans. And I talked to a recruiter and that's that's... That desire to kind of stay in school and um, teach history someday um, got me into a recruiter's office, which is how I I, I started my military career. That's why I was just planning on doing the four years, Mm -hmm. getting out, and then going going and doing my, my thing. Oh, very nice. But in a weird sort of way, it all worked out. So Yeah,
0: you ended up where you wanted to be, right? Here, so here I am. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about what you do here at the Command and General Staff College. Uh, you wear a couple different hats for us. Um, in addition to being a, an instructor in the department, um, you, you teach one of our special uh, teams, which is called a TTBM. So uh, tell us first about the TTBM program and how that fits kind of with a wider Department of Military History mission.
1: Uh, the TTBM team is a, a talent, they call it the talent-based management team, um, and, and really what it is is it's officers who, for whatever reason, would not have the opportunity to come here for the 10-month resident course because of um, certain job commitments or kind of where they are in their careers, um, they're just not able to cut out that, that 10-month Section of time and in, in their time and their career timeline to come here, and so what we do is the CGSOC course courses. Their course is broken into two. You have common core. You have the advanced operations course. And what we do is we bring in one group of officers to take common core here, resident in, in, in at Fort Leavenworth. We give them the common core course. Um, what they were receiving the resident, and then that group graduates in November and they go back to their, their, their lives outside the Army. So they're here just TDY for four months, do their thing, go away. And then we get a new group of students in January that does the advanced operations course here with us. They're here for four months, TDY, they graduate, they go back to their jobs and, and their real lives and, and families and, and do their, do their thing and, uh, for the Army. And so it the idea is that more officers get the opportunity to come here to Leavenworth and kind of experience, you know, what Fort Leavenworth has to offer and kind of the Um, The speakers and things that come here to the schoolhouse, they have the opportunity to to take part in that.
0: Well, as well as the kind of communal aspect of of traditional grad school, right, where they're in the room and it's not necessarily the learning, but it's just them being in the physical space together.
1: Absolutely. I mean, personally, I did um, CGSOC entirely distance learning. I did Common Core while I was in Afghanistan in 2012, and I did advanced operations course as a battalion XO um, from Fort Hood, essentially from my dining room table via computer, it, it was it was it was awkward. It was hard. Mm-hmm. You 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 don't make those connections with your peers. You don't make those those. Um, you don't have that relationship with your instructor. You don't have that. I didn't really feel like I had much connection to the group, mm-hmm. and and so I think that that's what they're trying to eliminate with this TTB, the TTBM program to actually bring those officers here get them to experience kind of the schoolhouse environment but also to to make those linkages to, to, to do that networking that I think the you know guys like me missed out on right, uh, right, back right. back in the day
0: yeah so let, let's talk about um, you mentioned that you you do and have taught the the standard um, core in AOC what other courses have you taught particularly in terms of electives
1: uh, for electives I've taught uh, the great campaigns um, which is essentially in-depth studies of great campaigns, oddly enough, you know, a good title for the course, mm-hmm. um, to help students kind of understand and, and kind of recognize kind of um, planning and, and, and execution of, of, and how examining these historical campaigns um, might reveal lessons as, as to what they could think about in the future. Um, I've taught the Alpha 650, which is the Korean War elective, uh, which I really enjoyed. I've been stationed to Korea twice, and I just I think it's fascinating. Um, but now I'm actually doing the elective. Um, it's not really even a history course. It's more a course on how the US Army does history. And so what I'm doing is I'm actually helping to certify Army officers to be Army historians. Uh, the Army actually has a skill identifier called the Five X-Ray. Um, so the course that I teach, I can actually, once they get through my course, um, uh, get through the elective, I actually send their, I, I type up a nominating letter uh, signed by Dr. Dr. Cotter, our, our department chief, or our department director, and it goes to the Center of Military History, and they actually, on the officer's um, ORB, will actually add the skill identifier, 5x-ray, Denoting that they are army historians, they know the processes, they are skilled at uh, developing uh, staff rides for their units, Uh, they know a little bit of something about um, archiving and handling uh, artifacts, um, all the good stuff you'd expect uh, to, you know, kind of hands-in-the-dirt historian to, to know how to do.
0: So it sounds like this this 5x-ray program, for people who are not familiar with Army skill identifiers, is is, is roughly equivalent to kind of a public historian certificate?
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, the, the, the real purpose of the 5x-ray is so that CMH has a pool of officers that they can call on to go and deploy with units and actually do history in, in forward areas. And so mm-hmm. major commands... Um, from kind of uh, division level up would have historians assigned to them during um, operations downrange where they would actually have historians along who don't necessarily belong to the unit but will follow the unit and kind of gather historical materials and then send that back to CMH um, for future historians to, to actually record and, and, and write the histories from. And so it's really a, the, the main job of these historians, they're, they're called military history detachments. They're just small teams of historians that go forward and, and really kind of gather the source work gather the sources for us to write histories going forward. It's a pretty cool gig.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, um, and that that's a good transition into uh, your own research. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you work on historiographically.
1: Um, yeah, I, I didn't mention this before, but yeah, I'm I'm actually working on my PhD right now, the University of Kansas, uh, working with a brilliant uh, uh, superstar of a historian named uh, Dr. Beth Bailey, mm-hmm. um, and so working with Dr. Bailey, I mean her. her 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 area of expertise is, is this idea of military war in society, uh, which is perfect for me because what I'm really interested in is kind of how the American public, the American people interact with the military and how the U.S. military interacts with the American public. Uh, more specifically, what I'm what I'm looking at for my dissertation, uh, which I'm actually starting to pull stuff together now, um, what I'm looking at is I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of how does the American public think about soldiers and soldiering, and how does the American public think about the U.S. Army as an institution? Um, it's a, it's a very difficult and nuanced question because it really depends on how are you depend how are you defining the American public. Mm-hmm and when are you asking this question because that answer is going to change you know yeah very depending. different
0: 1974 to 1984 for example. A-
1: absolutely and so um, that's what i'm looking at and so my area that i'm specifically focusing on is um, the late 1960s early 70s so the closing of the vietnam era and we commonly think of this as kind of the army and crisis era mm-hmm. um, you have rising racial tensions within the force. you have rising drug use mm-hmm. um, all the old colonels around here always talk about, you know, back in the day you had to have a, a, a sidearm with you on staff duty because the barracks were just, mm-hmm. you know, laden with criminals. <laughs> and um, there's also these crises in leadership coming out of the Vietnam War, um, you know, career ticket punching and, and, you know, obviously the My Lai Massacre and the trial of Lieutenant Calley. Mm-hmm. All this stuff's going on. So there's these, these overlapping and, and interacting crises that the Army's kind of trying to deal with. But my argument is that the real crisis is a crisis of public perception because when all this stuff is kind of hitting the fan, you also have the end of the draft. Mm-hmm. In the 1970s, late 1960s, early 70s, the United States Army was a draft-dependent force. But if you switch to an all-volunteer force, which we were, we were on track to do, mm-hmm. um, what happens when you're faced with the prospect of, of volunteers not showing up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is a very real thing when you have these crises all kind of overlapping and and, and going on at the yeah, same this time. It's
0: not just an army in a crisis; it's a, it's a country in a crisis. Absolutely,
1: and so my area of focus is kind of examining kind of that that crisis and public perception, and what the army was doing about it, because mm-hmm. um, really the army is actually. If you look at it, the, in my studies of that kind of, kind of revealed that the Army took very um, real efforts, made real efforts to address and, and to deal with each of those four crises, and, and were relatively effective at kind of turning things around. But that, that crisis of public perception was the real crisis because all of a sudden, you're stuck with global missions. And the real, very real prospect of not having people show up to to be in the Army because they think it's such a terrible place to be. Yeah. And so what I'm really trying to focus on is um, kind of Army leadership and their public affairs staffs and how are they trying to shape or to influence um, public perceptions and, and, to de- and to demonstrate that the Army is still still there still doing a performing a vital mission Be proactive and
0: proactive rather than reactive
1: and, and yes absolutely and finally you know kind of come come join us this, right. this is a right. this is an outfit with joining um ultimately I th- you know my my initial findings are that frankly that messaging kind of fell flat and today we kind of think of you know the american public really kind of holds you know the military in high regard and that, that wasn't always the case yeah and we had to remember that 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 kind of validation uh, of the US military and the and the army in particular really didn't happen until 1991 after desert storm and kind of the mm-hmm. you know the decisive victory over Iraq and, and
0: which makes sense in kind of the, the between Vietnam and desert storm era yeah yeah no it's fascinating uh, final question uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention you are department reigning military instructor of the year um what advice would you offer someone in uniform who wants to be you who's interested in doing what you do uh, both as just as an instructor and as an awarded uh, successful instructor
1: you 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 have to be comfortable with the material because i I will tell you when i first started teaching i've taught two tours at west point um and i've taught here since 2019 and I will tell you when I first started at West Point in 2009 I was not a good instructor. Uh, I, I, I I knew the material but I wasn't very comfortable convers- I didn't feel like I was conversant enough in it. Now I was, I was petrified that somebody was gonna ask me a question I just didn't know. Um, today I'm obviously more comfortable with the material I feel like I know more but I'm also comfortable with that idea that you know if somebody asked that question I don't know just kind of talking about that and, and, and it helps me to learn more um, but it, I think it also helps the students um, where they actually have to go and find the answer because the great thing about history is that it's not we don't have the final answer mm-hmm. we might know or we might think we know what happened this happened this happened this happened but what we think about it and why things happened the way that they did is always open to interpretation and so when you get a question like that um, I, I think that that's that's a valuable part of the, the 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 teaching and the learning process and so i guess my advice for somebody to you know trying to trying to do what i do is you know do well in school uh <laughs> learn the stuff but also be comfortable with with kind of that ambiguity and kind of develop a willingness or, or an ability or a, a, frankly a joy and and being challenged and challenging your students and and I, I think if you do that when you come here i think it, it, it'll work out
0: <laughs> as Classwoods would say be comfortable with the chance right no
1: ambiguity ambiguity exists
0: <laughs> colonel moore has been a fascinating talk thank you
1: no thank you appreciate it john
0: please be sure to check out our other podcast a confused heap of facts where we sit down with military historians from the department of military history and special guests to talk about topics in military history